Good afternoon, and thank you for joining us for today's market update brought to you by Cargill Elevate. My name is Jenna Sievers, and today I'm joined by Tyler Schultz. We're going to jump into what the market's doing, but also get a managed pricing update today from Tyler. So, Tyler, let's get started. Uh, market's not too friendly lately. We know harvest is going on in Brazil. Can you give us an update of really what is affecting our markets here today in this week, past couple weeks? Yeah, you bet, Jenna. Um, yeah, it has been a, a difficult market. Um, the selling just continues in both corn and beans as the market's trying to digest, you know, how big South American crops are or are going to be, and then really trying to find additional demand because that's what's needed, it seems like, at the moment with, with bigger supplies this year. Um, speaking specifically to soybeans in Brazil, you know, there's still a very, very wide range of production updates. Um, coming out of Brazil, you know, anything from the low 140 million ton range up to, you know, 160, 165 million tons, which is a massive range. And it is difficult. It, it's a huge country. There's beans grown in a very, very wide range of, of places. And I think there's some difficulty in the market coming to a conclusion about how big the acreage base has become with pretty rapid growth the last several years, um, given the high prices of soybeans. Farmers in Brazil have been incented to add acreage. And I, I don't know that the trade overall has a good grasp of how many acres are, are down there. People are trying to use satellite imagery and things like that, um, but it's difficult to get down to the field level. And, and I don't know if there's a great consensus on acreage, but nevertheless, uh, I think what's transpired in the market is there was certainly some concern early on dryness in Mato Grosso, which is the biggest growing state in Brazil for soybeans. And there was a lot of replanting that had to happen because of the dryness. Um, the early beans that were harvested were quite poor, but then rains returned and a lot of the replanted beans benefited from those rains, not only in Mato Grosso, but in most of the rest of Brazil as well. So conditions have, I think you can say, greatly improved from the worst they were back in January, and you're seeing good rains happening in the areas that can still benefit from those rains in the northeast part of the country and in the southern part of the country. So overall conditions are good. Uh, harvest is accelerating very quickly. Um, I think we're up over 30% harvested, and some of the regions that are going to see the biggest yields are just getting into harvest. Um, the most advanced part of harvest is has been Mato Grosso where yields were the worst, and farmers have been holding on to their soybeans because they see their bad crop. But in other parts of the country where the yields are much better, um, we're starting to see farmer selling accelerate uh, as they have more crop to sell. So some of this weakness that we're seeing is coming from Brazil hedges. The other part of the weakness that we're seeing, I think, is related to China. Uh, China was on holiday for a week to celebrate their Lunar New Year. They came back on Tuesday. They came back on Monday, but we were on holiday for President's Day, so they came back on Tuesday. And they generated you know, a small rally in soybeans. There was some uh, buying of Chicago beans by China, selling of Dalian meal and oil um, as they came back and caught up on one week's worth of business. But overall, demand still does not feel great in China. Animal profitability is, is not great, so that's not really leading to a lot of soybean meal demand. And overall order flow from China has been slow. So prices are moving lower, you know, trying to find additional demand, not only in China, um, but in other parts of the world as well. And it just hasn't really transpired yet. Um, competing ingredients like wheat, like corn, like canola, you know, are all 
cheaper today than they were last month. And so each ingredient is having to try to fight for additional room in the ration, and, and we haven't found that equilibrium yet. In addition to all of that, you know, Argentina weather has also improved. And if you remember last year, Argentina had a very, very bad drought um, where it cut production of soybeans nearly in half. This year, it looks like they're going to grow you know, a 50 million ton crop, which is double what they grew last year. And so that's not only adding pressure to the bean market, it's also adding pressure to the meal market. They're a big exporter of soybean meal. And so the U.S. and other parts of the world that uh, process soybeans into soybean meal are having to compete with Argentina, which is very different than last year. Argentina was not much of an exporter of soybean meal because of the small crop, but this year they've got a big crop and they're competing. So that's not helping crush margins, which isn't helping um, you know the U.S. processing market either. So just another kind of difficult part of the market that we need to try to find a way to um, overcome um, to find some additional demand at, at lower prices. In the corn market, it's planting time for the safrini crop. So the bean crop is coming off at a, at a very fast clip, as I mentioned. And so that means that the corn crop can get in early, which is what Brazilian producers want to see to try to get as much of the growing period for second crop corn done before the rains stop in Brazil. Um, so it looks like because of the fast planting of soybeans, the corn acreage in Brazil is going to be bigger than most people expected because more farmers will take a chance and plant corn because they can get it in early. So once that crop is planted, then we'll enter into the kind of the, the key weather season for Brazilian corn, safrinha crop, the second crop. And that's yet to be determined what that looks like. Um, planting conditions are good so far. Um, and we don't yet know, you know, what the rain amounts will be once we get into late March, April, and early May, which will really um, dictate how big that crop is going to be. But what the market sees today is more acreage, which is not helping um, the corn cause. We can price a weather problem later. Um, so that's something to watch out for. And that'd be a, kind of a key that we'll be looking at when talking about our managed pricing programs. But today, you know, the trend is lower because of the higher acreage expectation in Brazil and also because of the U.S. market. Um, exports out of the U.S. Are, are not good, and we're seeing a lot of corn move in the country, and it's, you know, trying to move into the export market. It's moving into ethanol markets, but, you know, those markets are trying to find demand as well, right? Uh, we need to find additional exports to move this corn and we're just not finding it because we're, we're competing not only with Brazil's first crop of corn, but we're also competing with Argentina's first crop of corn. Um, so U.S. corn exports uh, are really missing China, which we've seen buy corn from the U.S. in the past. They're showing no signs of buying corn right now. Um, that can quickly change, but they had a much better corn crop in China this year than they have the last couple of years. So their domestic supply looks much better and they've got good options and cheaper options um, in Brazil uh, July forward. So China isn't here yet. I don't know if they're going to come. That's not helping corn prices. And then also just the the big push of, of farmer selling that we're seeing right now is, is coming to the market and the market doesn't have the export book on to to take all that corn so you're seeing spreads widen in an effort um to to pay people to to hold on to corn longer we need bigger carries until we can find some additional demand and, and right now we're just not cheap enough to do that a lot to digest there of course tyler thank you for that
update. And when I think about our managed pricing contract, how have we navigated all of these different inputs and bearish factors that have been affecting the market as we look forward to pricing off of December and November futures for fall? Can you give us an update of where we're at? Yeah, good questions. Um, You know, we've been talking about these big production numbers in Brazil and Argentina, you know, for, for probably three years at least. And we haven't come to this point that we're at today because we've had a weather issue or a war each of those years. We, we had a, uh, a drought in Brazil two years ago. We had a drought in Argentina three years ago. We had a drought in Argentina last year. Um, and so we've, we've always had a production problem that's prevented kind of this oversupply feeling that the market has um, today. And so without a weather problem in Brazil or Argentina, you know, we thought that prices could or should go lower because it looked like we were going to have more supply than we needed. So we've been approaching these markets from the short side. We've been oversold uh, on beans and in corn. Um, And I think right now our bean contract is 35 to 40 cents in front of the market. So that's great. And then on corn, um, we're 8 to 10 cents better than the market at the moment. Um, corn has been a little bit more tricky because funds got record short corn earlier than they have in beans. And it's difficult to expect the market to churn lower like it has when you know one of the bigger features of the market, fund selling, is already at a record size on the short side. And so it's been uh, a bit of a challenge in, in corn to get, you know, as bearish as we have been in, in beans because of this big fund short. But I think what we're learning, and if you look back at history, is funds can stay short a long time as long as the market is giving them reason to do so and as long as there isn't a trigger for them to change course. And so what we look at every day when thinking about how we want to position these programs, because now funds are near record short in beans as well, is what is the potential trigger for you know a fund to, to change course and, and maybe take profits or cover a part of their position? And without you know, a big change in weather in Brazil, without a big change in demand in China, we just are not seeing that trigger yet today. It can surely still come in the form of adverse weather conditions for Sophrenia corn. It can come in the form of, you know, a massive labor issue in Argentina. It can come in, you know, lots of different forms. But but today, nothing that we're looking at is, is telling us that these markets have went low enough either to reduce supply, which is one way to, to impact or solve an oversupplied market, or find additional demand, right? It's, it's kind of like economics 101. When you have too much of something, the price needs to go lower to find more demand, or you need to reduce the supply of that thing. And we haven't done either of those things yet in corn or soybeans. So we're still looking at both of these markets um, with, a, with a negative slant um, until or unless we find, you know, this, this trigger that could create, you know, additional fund covering or, or at least a stopping of, of the additional fund selling. The other thing I need to point out um, is, you know, farmers not only in the U.S., but also in Brazil and Argentina are behind average marketing pace. 
And so, you know, if funds do nothing um, and just keep their current positions, there still is selling that we think needs to come to the market from farmers around the world that are, you know, further behind than maybe they would like to be on, on marketing uh, for this time of the year. So there's still a selling to come from market participants aside from the funds that we need to be aware of. And we need to try to understand what the timing of that will be. But unfortunately, you know, most of the things we've talked about today are are more on the on the bearish side and we don't want to get too bearish at the lows. But again, until we can find a reason um, for for the supply and demand kind of balance to change, you know, we gotta we gotta take prices lower to find some additional demand. Yeah, we've got a lot of bearish inputs going on, although we still have a safrina crop that has to go through pollination and be grown, and we still have a U.S. crop to grow as well. So yep, a lot yep. of time left left on the calendar, but we also need to be aware that if we're profitable in making sales as producers, we need to be making sure that we're making thoughtful and calculated decisions as we move forward. Marketing's not going to be as easy, unfortunately, as it has been the past three years in in the ag world. So For sure. Maybe, maybe one thing on that, Jenna, just, uh, I'll say mm-hmm. one, one thing that's different in addition, obviously, to the prices is there is pretty big carries in these markets. So, you know, the, the market is giving farmers the chance um, to, to sell some deferred stuff at much better prices than the spot values that we're seeing. So that is one thing that, you know, the market hasn't given us in the past. We've been inverted markets before. Now we've got these carry markets. So there is a, a carry or, or a better price to sell out into the future um, like you said, if, if there is values that can make sense to, to make folks profitable, it's something to pay attention to. Exactly. Yes. Yep. We're seeing it looks like a 24 cent carry just on corn from March to July future. So definitely mm-hmm. something to be aware of for producers out there. And as we look forward, Tyler, you know, as what are we looking at in the market in the next month as we approach planting? What would be one or two things that we're kind of looking towards yeah for sure i think we mentioned a lot around safrinia corn uh, weather so that that's going to be one um and then the second one will be you know farmer selling in brazil of, of soybeans um if the folks who think the crop is 160 million tons are right um there's a lot of farmer selling that needs to come um in beans over the next 30 to 45 days so um, March in Brazil is kind of like October in the U.S. in terms of harvest. So the, the biggest and fastest and most harvest is going to happen in the month of March. And, you know, it's not great to store soybeans in, in lots of parts of Brazil because of how humid it is. So a lot of those beans need to come to the market. And so we need to see what farmers do with that. We need to see how many beans China will buy um, to, to take those beans out of, out of Brazil. I guess that'd be the other big thing on, on the bean side. And then, of course, you know, once we get into April, we'll be paying very close attention to planting conditions in the U.S., acreage decisions. Are we going to plant more beans, more corn, more wheat, more cotton, things like that. Um, but those those two impacts in, in Brazil will be something we're paying close attention to for the next 30 to 45 days for sure. Thank you, Tyler. To our listeners, thank you for joining us today, and we will talk to you tomorrow. 